Meg reaches for me. I know we are both weeping. She holds me close and soft and long as we breathe together. I wish I could have been with you as she strokes my hair. Tell me something more, Eliza, of your own childhood, your mother, your father. Ah, I am more like my mother than I care to admit. What my mother does not know for a fact, she adds with most magnificent flair and imagination. It is my father who is tied to facts and books and letters. He compensates for my mother's fanciful nature with exactitude. He delights in the plain, simple truth of numbers. He's a bookkeeper. He keeps books. He keeps us. When his best friend dies, he keeps his widow, Thomas's mother. We have a narrow house in Folkestone, but with the right arrangement of furniture, it is sufficiently spacious. There is a room for Thomas and his mother to share. There is room for all of us. Among the several establishments where my father is a bookkeeper, there is a school with a, an extensive library. Through his connection to the Quakers, my father gains permission to borrow books and return them after a short time. So begins a most marvellous tide of literature entering and leaving our house. I am to be found for hours, curled next to a window or behind a curtain or under a writing table, reading with great fervour. I've learned enough of the basics of Latin and French to improve my knowing. I have a gift for languages, my mother says. Before long, I'm reading books in French, learning as I go. I would tell anyone who cares to ask that I have read Locke, Diderot and Rousseau. In fact, I skim and skip and fill in the rest with bright imaginings. Ah, but the air is full of reformism. My father and his friends are caught up in the discovery of naturalism and in the adventures of expeditions on all the far oceans. From an early age, Thomas is determined to be one of those adventurers. His several role models are spoken of around the table. We read of meetings where their discoveries are celebrated. Our father attends many of these gatherings. Thomas and I devour these pamphlets and form a vision of our own. So, we first hear of new land in the southern seas. This is Thomas's dream before he turns 12 years old. It is my dream as well. 
Yet, for me, there are no women on whom to model my ambition, to travel to new lands and become part of a reimagined society, upholding principles of freedom and justice and equality. Yet, as long as I am with Thomas, we will fill in all the gaps. That is what I give to him. Thomas is going to do everything necessary to join the Marines. I'm going to do what is necessary to remain free of society's entrapments. Courtship, marriage and all the associated parading and pretense. I am Eliza Swift, fierce and free. I will not be pulled into society and the church or anything at all in which I do not wholeheartedly believe. I will be able to broaden my mind, learn languages and travel to the other side of the world. In truth, I am probably already peculiar enough to be ignored on all these points, but I am not going to leave it to chance. At any opportunity, I'm quite outspoken about my opinions on reformism. Yet, before I can make my own way, I do, of course, have to contribute to the family's income. My father secures me a position as a governess, which means I need to leave home and live with a dreary family, teaching their dull children. My reprieve comes at the last moment when my mother announces that we'll be opening a dame school in the house. We'll take in children each day and charge a few pennies for their education. The kitchen is warm. Each morning, we clear the table and prepare for the schooling. My mother is inventive like that. We begin our adventures in running a school for young children from our house. I teach reading, writing and numbers, a little French. But of course, once my mother starts regaling, her stories become wild, dream-filled adventures. The children never tire of her performances and I can ensure that they're learning their basics. My mother stands to tell her stories, filling the room with bright imaginings. She summons the tales with her arms raised, palms facing her rapt audience. She draws them in and casts upon them a kind of spell, conducting the narration that before long turns to melody and song. It is mesmerizing. A power, her power, manifest. You remember the ferocious black storms of the last leg of the journey, Meg? Of course. It is after the detour to Van Diemen's land that Charles, my husband, dies. He has not been well, even before the journey. He is ten years older. We know the risks. You and Thomas are not alone in 
wanting to build a new future. You handle your grief with such grace, Meg. You're open with your loss. I watch you. I follow you and try to be like you. So kind and so good at caring for others. Eliza, you've lost a child as well as a husband, your lifelong friend. I also lose sight of my purpose and our vision. Long before our landing here, I'm heavy with darkness. For a long time, I also lose the ability to escape to my dreams. Please, read the last entries to me. It's the last month of our journey, January in the year 1788. You've learned how strong you are and what you can do. I am ripped in half. I am rent in two. I am lost on a ship on the ocean. Thomas in the ground, my baby in the sea. Yet this ship keeps on sailing, sailing through these ragged storms. If I just stop, if I can sleep, she will take me where I need to be. All I need to do is sleep and rise and eat and drink. I can pace along the deck. I will wait for these heavy breasts to dry. I have no more strength to fight my rage. I can but let it go. Let everything go. Then maybe one night I will fly again in dreams. There, you have arrived. Now you fly again in dreams, Eliza. At times I even see your shining smile. You are through the storms and you know your purpose. Soft kisses starting at my toes. Wings brush me, delicately soften me. Flesh and bone ascend my lower legs, finding every river of release. You lift me and deliciously stretch me bone and muscles sliding into place, finding their length and their power. I am 
grounded by your touch. You kiss and caress my inner thighs. I taste flight in your warmth ascending. I know you know to follow gently along the silken lining of my wings. Thomas, is this you, my one? So softly you find your way, your lips find mine, plump and pulsing for your touch. You follow slowly upwards, so gently, that I yearn for you to find my shadowed secrets. Find me liquid for your lips. Move tenderly inside, my love, circling, circling exploration. And I rise, arching to the sky, your wings stroking my breasts. Together we soar, Thomas, my one. You never learned this journey, never brought these pleasures. I would have shown you, whispered gentle guidance, words sacred and forbidden, but you left me, you flew away. Then who is this gentle bird of such knowing, such power? In the night, I hear your call. Bubuk. I wake. I'm in bed. I'm naked. But for a mantle of feathers, bestowed upon my shoulders. I feel its warmth, soft, strong. Thomas has visited me. Thomas has left me again. I am calm, I am hollow. I ache for him. Do not weep. I rise, I release, I wash, I caress my body, I taste of courage 